The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, time to bring on Rahat Hook now from the site red94.net. Maybe you'll, uh, with the new additions, Rahat, you'll have to change it to uh, red se- or 18 <laughs> if the Rockets uh, win the championship this year. They've got a, a lot of talent, but obviously some great teams in front of them as well. So I want to start with this for you. Like, where were you? What was your reaction when you found out that Chris Paul had been traded to the Houston Rockets? Right, so if you if you recall at the time, I think the expectation was that if they were going to get Chris Paul, it was going to be in free agency. Um, so that was the first big shock. But even stepping back from that, despite all the interest that was rumored to be had from both sides, I still I I thought I thought Chris Paul was using the Rockets as leverage. I, I thought he was going to return to the Clippers. I thought there yeah. might be interest in the Spurs. I don't think anybody really realized the extent of that relationship that James Harden and Chris Paul somehow at some point had been developing uh, in secret they seem to be best <laughs> friends suddenly and I because it seems like around the league you know of the, the high-end friendships that exist I mean there was so much that was made of Kevin Durant and James Harden from their time in Oklahoma City and would the Rockets have a chance but I had no idea that these two guys were seemingly plotting something or were on such good terms and the Rockets were in the picture but clearly that was the case and so yeah when that happened I was absolutely floored yeah I was too I mean just that he even was going to go there and then the fact that it was a trade with him opting in I mean it was something that I mean everyone just assumed it was fait accompli that he was going to opt out but now he has maybe some financial reasons to do that if he plays as well and then he could get the five-year deal this year I, I like you thought oh maybe he's going to use these other teams as leverage he doesn't really want to leave LA he wants to get the five-year max deal from them because he's already pretty old and you know maybe get a no trade get all the bells and whistles from the clippers but yeah going to the rockets and and now i mean we'll see what ends up happening with this is way too early to discuss paul's impending free agency but it's perhaps useful for him that he expects to have a good year on a really good team and he'll get paid a fair amount obviously this year as well not quite the 35 million that he could have gotten but then he can maybe lock in next year or if it doesn't work out uh god forbid for houston fans go somewhere else um before we get into this team though i want to talk a little bit about how you thought they played and we know what they were last year great three-point shooting team james harden uh, many would think should have won it mvp he was awesome all the three-point shooters everything that daryl morey did turned out really well in that summer of 2016 and you, you were definitely very right about them being a lot better than i thought i was 46 wins their over under was 41 you had 50 which i scoffed at and we were both way too low as it turned out 
but what happened in that series against the Spurs I think that that is something that maybe we can go back and look at and see uh, how they tried to address some of those flaws this season right and I think the big question really is what happened with James Harden in that game six and I know the Rockets fans listening to this right now that maybe follow me or maybe don't follow me yet they, they won't like to hear this but it was really one of the most baffling performances I yeah. can remember ever seeing. And I've yeah. seen a lot of people from the Houston side quick to make excuses and uh, for yeah, Harden. But I mean, it's, it's right up there with, you know, Kobe Bryant's game seven. And I think it was 2006 where he basically didn't shoot it at all. Or uh, LeBron James game five in uh, 2010 against the Celtics. like real, or, or LeBron James in the 2011 finals. Like it really uh, is right up there with uh, just those inexplicable performances when they just could not score against a Spurs team that didn't have Kawhi Leonard. Right. And I think what you do in bringing in Chris Paul, I think it's not just on the court. I think that's something that's obvious, just having a secondary ball handler, I guess in Paul's case, a primary ball handler to relieve that pressure from Harden. But I think what he's going to do is address Harden's biggest problem, which is potentially mental. Um, And I think that James Harden, he may not always have that intensity. And I think Chris Paul is really going to help with that. And so I think with Chris Paul, I think that addition, it just adds so many dimensions in the locker room, on the court. And what they did this summer, you didn't really lose anything. I mean, you're going, you're looking at a team that was second in offense and 18th in defense last year. They're not going to take a step back offensively. They, they might be better. They're probably going to be better, but you know, there isn't really that much room for improvement. If you look at it at how amazing they were last year, as a top 10 all-time offense. But with the, the the additions that you made, I think you can expect to get above 18th, some, maybe in the top 10 defensively. What do you think about that? You're switching out Lou Williams and Sam Decker and you're adding in P.J. Tucker, Bahamute. Chris Paul may be the only point guard statistically who's an, abu- who's an upgrade over Beverly. And so I think that you're improving your team um, in without really hurting it. And I think that's, that's sometimes difficult to do because when you're a adjusting personnel sometimes you have to take from one area to add somewhere but it didn't really seem like they lost anything yeah I think really your only concern is that Mba Mute and Tucker especially if those guys are going to play together and that maybe if Trevor Ariza takes a step back now as he's coming into I think his age 33 season that maybe the shooting that they've relied on won't quite be there the first two preseason games when they've averaged I think 49 three-point attempts a game and uh I think in all three of them although one of them was against non-NBA competition they hit over 23 pointers which has never been done before in the regular season to do that in three consecutive games so it certainly looks like they're going to be firing away Chris Paul not even shooting any mid-range shots either in the preseason but maybe that'll change a little bit so yeah I think you have to imagine they won't be much worse offensively you know Lou Williams didn't actually play all that well as a rocket and Clint Capella presumably will play a little bit more um I mean they they aren't going to play Ryan Anderson as much probably that'll probably hurt their offense a little bit but they also have Chris Paul and so the offense with Harden on the bench should be better so yeah I think they project about the same offensively and maybe is more difficult to stop offensively with you know when you're really going up against good teams in that playoff crucible and then defensively actually having someone who can defend on the wing I mean you could the defensive lineups that they can put out there now with Mbappe, Mute, Tucker, Ariza and Chris Paul potentially around Harden they tried already in the preseason some lineups with Tucker at center I think those are, I'm ones you can get really excited about for the play 
playoffs to, in particular. Yeah, I think Tucker at center, I think that's the one that's the most intriguing. To step back, though, um, regarding Chris Paul, I think that, and this is also the rationale behind potentially acquiring Carmelo Anthony, which we know obviously did not work out. But I think what you do here in having Chris Paul is that you're able to finally somewhat diversify the offense. I mean, for the Rockets, it's been all about threes and at the basket. But I think as many people have noted in the postseason, particularly against the Spurs, when those stringent defenses are able to chase guys off the three-point line, I think that that, that's when that ability to utilize every part of the court is essential. And so with Paul... I think just at those margins, I think that gives you an advantage there where you can diversify the offense. I think that's where what Anthony would have done. Obviously, that didn't work out. Um, But that adds another dimension to the Rockets. And as you said, defensively, I I think you could run out a lineup with with Tucker at the five. You could have Bob Mute at the four. Um, And so that gives you so much flexibility defensively where previously, you know, if Ryan Anderson wasn't hitting, you, you almost had to have Ariza at the four. That was wearing him out um and so just so many more options now for Mike D'Antoni yeah there definitely are and I think in that Spurs series in particular the strategy that Greg Popovich went to one that I did not advocate but actually worked extremely well was leaving Pau Gasol and the Marcus Aldridge under the rim to take away shots at the rim taking away shots at the three-point line and knowing that Houston wasn't necessarily able or willing to take advantage in the mid-range certainly no one other than Harden had that capability um and we'll see we'll talk a little bit more about the strengths and weaknesses and how well they can do offensively especially against the Warriors if they are going to play Tucker and Mbaba Mute is a very interesting question for me first though uh, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back after this if you're a fantasy basketball fan you're no doubt really excited for the season to start if you love fantasy basketball then you need to try what I think is the best platform for fantasy basketball draft it's daily fantasy basketball but much different than traditional salary cap leagues on draft you play real life snake drafts with other people just like your season long league here's how it works it's a draft that lasts for just one night and there's no management and the reason a snake draft works better is that each draft is unique it's much harder these people who are making fantasy basketball essentially their profession to anticipate everything ahead of time so it's much more fair for the casual player and once you've made your draft just set it and forget it that's it no trades no waiver wires to deal with draft even takes care of last minute injuries for you they start every couple of minutes so you can join one right now and you can play for cold hard cash drafts start from just one dollar so there's a draft for everyone so come and join me on draft today download the app anytime just search draft in the app store and you can join a game in minutes or you can play right from your computer as well on draft.com whatever you want and for a limited time only all new players get a free entry into a draft when you make your first deposit but you have to use my promo code and of course you know what that is cap space easy to remember because we talk about cap space all the time in the program that'll also let them know that you came from us of course that's right play a real money game for free just use the promo code cap space on your first deposit with the draft app and draft.com Okay, so the big storyline as soon as they acquired Chris Paul was how are he and Harden going to play together? These guys both need the ball. They're probably the two guys. It wouldn't shock me. I haven't looked at it as having close to the largest time of percentage or, or percentage time of possession of any two players in the league. You're probably pretty close there. So how do you think that is going to work? And what are the noises been coming out of camp about like what they can do schematically to make sure that both of these guys can eat? Right. And, and you're already seeing glimpses of this in the in the preseason and not to give too much weight in what we're seeing early on 
particularly because one of those games they played was not against an NBA team, but they're pushing the pace well, a lot more. And they more. played the Knicks, too. So, <laughs> so, so two non-NBA teams, if you will. Um, Chris Paul seems to be pushing the pace a lot more than he normally would be, but I think really what you're going to be seeing is utilizing them both in sets where if, if Harden's the primary ball handler and he drives and there, nothing's there, he can kick it back out and restart completely with Chris Paul. And you saw that last year with Eric Gordon as a secondary playmaker, but I mean, Chris Paul or substitute Harden there, that's a completely different uh, level. And so I think you can utilize them in the same sets by getting them involved in actions like that. And I think for Chris Paul, it's whether or not there's a willingness to push the pace consistently. We know he really likes to dictate things, pound the ball into the ground. James Harden, that was a problem for him early on. I think what the big question is going to be, I think there's, you know, it's going to be smooth sailing for the most part during the game. But I think the question, as many people have noted, is late in crunch time. What what happens the first time that you're in a close game against a very good opponent? And who? how do you sort out who gets the ball on that final possession? Is it going to be Chris Paul? Is it going to be James Harden? I think that's the real question mark. Um, but I think the fact that both of these guys are very good spot-up shooters, and I think that's one thing that's very, um, very much not talked about enough. The fact that both of these guys are very good spot-up shooters, it, it helps It helps the potential for them to be able to mesh together. I think with LeBron and Dwayne Wade early on, that was part of the problem in figuring things out. But Harden throughout his career, I think last year he was 38.9% on spot-ups. Um, and he was, he, I think he had a higher percentage in previous years. Paul was 50%, but a very low amount of attempts last year, but 50% on spot up catch and shoot threes. Harden also, there's some stats that some of my followers uh, tweeted at me where statistically he had the least amount of open looks on threes out of any yeah. player in the NBA. And so I think that just the fact that these guys can play off of each other off the ball, you look at the way Harden played in OKC, you look at the, the fact that these guys actually wanted to play together I think that bodes well yeah I, I think you're right about that too and it's not like there aren't really any other guys that need it as well you know there isn't a post player who's got to like get his touches they don't really run a lot of stuff through the elbow and Mike D'Antoni certainly has never had an unhappy offensive players in his system you did you mentioned the crunch time offense though and that's something that I think is going to really should be watched because as good as the Rockets were offensively I thought this reared its head in the Spurs series and just in general throughout the season the last few years really even in the Harden era I think this has been the case the crunch time offense has been Harden just dribbling around at half court for 15 seconds they lose that pushing the pace and then you know he doesn't even initiate the play until there's 10 seconds left and there usually ends up being a switch against what will be a pretty good defensive team especially in the playoffs and then he ends up having to just kind of take a tired three we saw that really down the end of that game five in San Antonio which I'm sure they're still kicking themselves over having lost that one with Kawhi Leonard out as well so I I, you know we don't need to belabor the point here because we haven't seen them yet but I think uh and Chris Paul on the other hand his teams have always been extremely clutch uh and while he likes to dominate the ball you know he'll at least get others involved as well and he's got a, maybe a more diverse offensive game uh during uh, the late stages it, it's it's a very fascinating philosophical question that I've been wondering for years now forget about the offensive explosion last year I mean just going back to the entirety of the Harden era 
era, we get back to this question of you have this great offense. Why does it always bog down to the exact same thing at the end of the game? Like, why do you get away from what is working? And I, I almost feel like there's this expectation from NBA players that regardless of what takes place the first 46 minutes of the game, that isolation is what is expected to be the end, uh, the end route at the end of the game. And it's something I, I've just never understood. And as you said, that's what happened at the end of the Spurs series. Yeah, I understand it. I think a lot of it is just from both coaches and players is, hey, this is really important. We got to make sure we want to get the ball into the hands of our best player. We want him making the play to, to make the shot. And I mean, that's what people think a lot, right? Like if you see a few possessions go back and forth kind of frantically, you'll see players just like, all right, you know, palms down to the ground. All right, let's slow it down. You know, with the idea like, okay, like if we, we got it, because you think about like, okay, let's take our time here. Like, let's not rush it. Generally in life, like taking your time and doing things slowly, like is a better approach, right? It, when you, when it's really important, like take your time, don't rush it. But you know, in basketball, I don't, I don't know that that's necessarily the case here. Um, all right, let's talk. Also, yeah, go ahead. One more thing. Yeah. yeah. And I think also, I think the counterpoint to what I just said and to your point, uh, is that by having the ball in your best player's hands, you're, you're minimizing the risk. And so yeah. anytime a possession involves an inferior offensive player, you're necessarily increasing the risk. And so inherent within that, an inferior player, his nerves are going to increase at that time. So presumably a great offensive player like James Harden, he's going to be more effective in that time. Um, and so I, I think it, it, there's an inherent aspect of risk built in there as well. So let's talk about more about uh this team i mean is there anyone that you look at as someone who can get better from last season yeah, so looking up and down the roster, the only guy that you would consider a young prospect, I mean, they, they don't have those young blue trip prospects that some teams have, but Clint Capella is really the only guy that I would point to. And I wouldn't just talk about whether or not he can get better or will he get better. It's He needs to get better because this was something I wasn't aware of last uh, previously until last preseason when Mike D'Antoni talked about this in the press about, he mentioned Capella's stamina issues. And I didn't even realized that this was an issue early on um, in his rookie year under Kevin McHale. This was never brought up. I thought that it was just a situation where they wanted to bring him along slowly, but Mike D'Antoni always talked about the fact that Capella needed to increase his stamina, and so we saw he played, I think, was it 24 minutes a game? He got gassed um, pretty quickly at times, and while he is, I think he's, aside from adding a three-point shot, I think as an overall skill set, I think he's about as perfect of a fit you could get for James Harden as there is. And then defensively, he protects the rim. He's great at moving his feet on the perimeter, but he really, really struggles against bigger offensive players. And we saw how much, uh, how difficult it was against Oklahoma City, um, against Steven Adams. And um, and so I think that he's the guy that really needs to take the next step for the Rockets and being able to play more minutes and also being able to play against bigger, uh, bigger offensive players. Because what happened routinely is that whenever he was getting getting bullied down low. The Rockets had to quickly come in with Nene. And Nene, he's getting older. He's not a long-term fit. And so the Rockets really need Clint Capella to take the next step, especially because he's coming up on a very important free agency, um, restricted free agency the following summer. And so the Rockets need to make a decision on him. I don't expect them to to let him get away or anything like that. But I, I mean, perhaps if he does not take the next step, if he's, if he's still not able to play more than 25 minutes a game, I might even look into dealing him 
him if his value is high. I don't know that I would make a long-term commitment to him at the type of money that he would command um, if, if he can't give you more than 25 minutes a game. But all of the reports out of camp, it seemed like he's been working on that, but we'll have to see once the, the regular season rolls around. Yeah, and with Capella, they've gotten an A coming off the bench. Also, I think that uh, although he's been injured right now, that uh, Tarek Black can give them some quality minutes. I thought he's been an underrated player in LA the last couple of years. And then they also have the option of going with Ryan Anderson at center at times. They did that last year. They could go with Tucker at center at times. So I think, you know, him playing half the game isn't the end of the world, but I think just even in the minutes he's out there being able to give more effort. And you mentioned, you know, 24 minutes a game, only played 65 games last year. So a little over 1,500 minutes for Capella. So his stamina. And then I think also just continuing to evolve with his recognition on defense. And I think his ability to, because we're talking about, I mean, this this team is going to be almost certainly a top three seed. It's difficult to imagine them falling any lower than that. Four, top four for dead certain, unless they just have catastrophic injuries. So it's really about the playoffs for these guys and how well can he move his feet on the perimeter? Can he switch out on some of those warrior shooters? Is because his pick and roll defense evolved to elite uh, along with his physical tools? Can he just get better at the pattern recognition of defense? That's a, a big question for me. Um, is it possible? Uh, do you see anyone else who, who really would be an improvement candidate on this squad from last year? I mean, a, a lot of the young guys are gone, so it's really hard to say that. Right, and, and I mean, you, you look at you look at the secondary players. I mean, so obviously you have Chris Paul and James Harden. Um, I, I mean, with Harden, he might, if it's possible, be better just by being even more efficient playing off the ball with Chris Paul. But as far as Ryan Anderson, Eric Gordon, I don't even, especially Trevor Ariza, I don't really see any path to them being better in terms of uh, the overall productivity that they're giving you by virtue of the amount of games that they played last year. In that Ryan Anderson, last year, 72 games, that was the second highest amount of games Ryan Anderson has played in his entire career. Eric Gordon, 75 games last year. He started off extremely hot, but then he dropped off considerably after the All-Star break. And so with those guys, particularly those two guys, I I worry that you might have seen the best of them last year and you might see more of a regression to their career norms, not in terms of their abilities, but in terms of the overall amount that they're giving you by the number of games that they're giving you. And so that's that's the concern that I have. Yeah, both Gordon and Anderson now, they were coming from uh, just the NBA netherworld in terms of training staffs in New Orleans. And so you might say, hey, now that they're in Houston, they're in much better shape. Uh, but yeah, I mean, get part of the reason that those contracts were so risky and that uh, Gordon, I didn't pan, but Anderson, we did. And, and Anderson is a bad contract. You know, they tried to trade him this offseason and they couldn't. That's why the Mellow deal in large part failed. Uh, but, you know, he was important to what they did last year. But yeah, expecting them to be as healthy as they were might be unlikely. I could see Gordon just shooting a better percentage from three, that 37%. I could even see Ariza shooting a better percentage and, and Harden as well, just because they're going to have Chris Paul out there, a little more space to set them up. They won't be forcing as many threes, perhaps. Uh, what about defensively for Harden? Do you think that with a reduced offensive load, he probably had the largest offensive load of any player in the league. Maybe Westbrook is the only other one who comes to mind there. Uh, can he continue to improve defensively? Yeah, I mean, you hope so. There's there's really no way to, to know. I mean, I, you just hope that Chris Paul can 
can get to him. Um, but I, I mean, there's really no way to to predict that, honestly. Yeah, well, and it'll be interesting to see too, because in a lot of those lineups, you mentioned when they would go to Ariza at the four because Anderson couldn't defend his position well enough against a lot of the elite teams. When they played Ariza at the four, Harden was the four defensively. And so now when you, with Tucker and or and Bob Mute having one more good defender on the floor, that maybe Harden won't be stuck guarding someone in the post. But on the other hand, that's kind of like the place to hide him. So he just doesn't have to do as much because he's not going to like chase shooters or on screens either against some of the best teams. Right. And I and I don't have the statistic right now. And it, it may have actually, it may have changed just factoring in the end of the year. But at one point, I don't know if this was last year, but I do remember pointing out that Harden was one of the best post defenders. I don't know if this this uh, this sounds familiar to you, but he was one of statistically one of the best post defenders in the league. But now we saw what happened in the San Antonio series where when he was asked to, to face Pal Gasol, it really tired him out. And so it's interesting that you bring this up because I, one thing that I always advocated specifically last year was that I thought where you could really unlock Harden's potential as kind of a secret weapon in a weird D'Antoni way. The real potential that I saw was that if you played Harden as power forward, you're basically, you're having him guard the power forward where he's pretty decent at least. He's better than when he's guarding wings, but then you're creating all sorts of problems at the other end offensively. So that was something I advocated strongly, but we saw what the Spurs did and having to guard Pau Gasol really, really tired him out um, in that Spurs series. Yeah, and, and not a lot of teams have LaMarcus Aldridge and Pau Gasol in the front court to where you're really going to be, you know, he's going to have to guard one of those two guys. Uh, all right, let's talk a little bit more about the rotation here for Mike D'Antoni. Uh, who's going to start for these guys? Yeah, so I think what you can expect is Paul and Harden as locks in the backcourt. I think even though P.J. Tucker might be better than Ariza at this point, I think Ariza just by um, seniority, I think he's a lock at small four. Forward, I think I think Ariza is better than him personally. You, you think so? Okay. Well, because um, Tucker, I mean, if you go back and watch that uh, Toronto's series against the Cavs and the Bucks, that he really is, and maybe he'll be better in this system, but it's underrated how bad he is offensively. Other than shooting corner threes, he really does absolutely nothing, right? And he's not really that comfortable taking above the break threes. And Ariza, you know, has been in this system for a long time. He shoots it with no conscience. I think that teams are going to be, you know, with Ariza, it's like okay we kind of don't really like leaving him open whereas Tucker it's like okay you're gonna have to make two or three before we're gonna really guard you out there and Bob Mute is even further into that boat so I think you know Tucker in certain matchups I think he, you know if you're gonna say you got to guard LeBron James or you got to guard Kevin Durant really some of the bigger wings Carmelo Anthony Paul George Tucker will just get into guys and and he just has more versatility to guard fours and even fives as well so I like that aspect of it more but I think in pretty much every other aspect I, I believe a reason as a superior player. See, I may be just entirely overrating Tucker just from not having seen him nearly as much as I've seen Ariza. Um, with with Ariza, I don't know how much weight you give to T- DRPM, but Ariza 23rd among small forwards last year. Tucker was 12th. Ariza shooting 34% on threes. I thought Ariza, I mean, this was something that I strongly felt all of last year was that that's the, that was the position that they had to upgrade because it was very difficult for me to watch 
Acha Reese, as great as the offense was, if he didn't have a wide open shot, he was just so unskilled. It was very difficult for him to do anything other than a straight line drive. And his athleticism obviously is waning. And so it, it was very painful on the eyes. I don't think that his defense is anywhere near as great as his reputation would lead one to believe. And I think the statistics kind of bear that out. But I think you're certainly correct that he is much more versatile than P.J. Tucker is in terms of um, that, that, you know, he's, he's a longer, rangier player, whereas Tucker, he's at this point probably better suited for a small ball four. Um, so I may just not have seen Tucker enough if I'm considering well, it, him better yeah. there. I mean, I think a lot of it even is just in the perception because like Tucker would have these games where he's taking, you know, playing 30 minutes, he's taking one or two shots, you know, and he's just, he's not looking for a shot. He's not a threat. He's not being guarded. And certainly teams like the Warriors, OKC, the Spurs, they're going to execute the scouting report. They're going to make Tucker beat them. And, and teams will do that to some extent with Ariza right. as well. But Ariza at least is is willing enough uh, to fire away. And, and Ariza at least, you know, I, I realize he has some limitations attacking the basket. I actually thought I was surprised at how good he was at times doing that in the playoffs. But uh, I mean, Tucker is another level in terms of just like his lack of lift, at, you know, driving to the basket. You know, he's not going to drive to the basket and finish basically ever. So it's, right. it's uh, right. you know, they, they play different roles. But I do think you, you've hit on something here that between Ariza, Tucker, and Mbaa Mute, you know, they need those guys to perform. They need those guys to hit shots, especially against the best teams. And that that, to me, could be one of the underrated pain points. Although all those guys, you know, are, are at an age where they could really drop off significantly. If that happens, that might be one of the ways where this team could end up disappointing. Yeah, and I think there's there's just been so many seasons in Rockets history where they come in in the offseason with all of these veteran acquisitions and you, you're, ve- you're feeling very good about the depth chart, but then it just turns out that they show their age. I, I mean, I remember the, the acquisition of Bonzi Wells several years ago where <laughs> he looked like he should have retired already. Um, and so that is that was something I was thinking about when I was uh, when I was preparing for um, this this preview here. And, and that kind of might pave an opening for Troy Williams, um, a young athletic wing has shown some ability to shoot the three. You hope, though, that it doesn't get to that because the Rockets, yeah. I think at their best, their, their ceiling, I think they need those three veteran guys to perform to their abilities. Like I think if Troy Williams has cracked their rotation, I think that something has has not gone as planned. Yeah, and he's just, I think, too inconsistent from a mental standpoint to really hold up against some of the best teams. You know, he, I think he's going to blow switches. He's not going to execute right. the, the scouting report. You know, you could see that. And, and his shooting is certainly a question mark, although his athleticism is not. Um, all right, so, so we're talking about the starting lineup. So you think, is Anderson going to start at the four? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, and I mean, you look at the the, the top units. Uh, what was it? It was, um, let's see, I had this here. Um, we had Anderson, Ariza, Gordon, Harden, Harrell led the league in offensive rating among lineups with at least 150 minutes. That was uh, in uh, also, that was the Rockets' best lineup um, for net rating. And so I, I don't see, I don't see any way that you take Anderson out of the starting lineup. He led the entire uh, team last year in net rating with at 7.9 above Harden, above Capella, above any other Rocket. And so despite the reputation that, you know, it's taken a hit despite how poorly he played in the postseason, he's still vital to this team. Um, yeah. Just his ability, I mean, even setting aside how bad he is defensively, just that ability to set up three feet beyond the three-point line, it gives so much space to, to Chris Paul and James Harden. And so I think, I think a lot of Rockets fans are really down on Ryan Anderson right now, just, you know, what happened in the postseason also compounded by the excitement over potential 
potentially getting Carmelo Anthony and Ryan Anderson being the, the, the obstacle to that. But I think it's important to step back and remember that setting aside the contract, setting aside all those warts, he's still very important to this team. And he was statistically, I would say, just as important as anyone other than James Harden offensively. Yeah, I think that's really true. And especially in the regular season when other teams are going to be matching up more traditionally, that's a good time to play Anderson in the starting lineup as opposed to when teams go small. He actually, I think in some ways, struggles more in those circumstances. Uh, and I, what I don't think we'll see as much of is him at center because they won't need to do that anymore where they're just, all right, we're going to try and outscore people. They actually can have some defense. And I also predict that maybe if they get into a playoff series against a really good team, you know, after game one or two, especially if they get down in the series, then maybe we'll see Anderson's role get minimized and they'll start Tucker at the four if they're just, they're not going to be able to stop people. Because I mean, that's whether that starting lineup will be able to stop people is going to be fascinating, right? Like Paul is good. Ariza is still pretty good. Capella has the tools. He's pretty decent. Uh, and then Anderson and Harden are just awful. And so I think it's, it'll be interesting to see whether that unit can stop people or whether they really have to get into those lineups with either Bob Mute or Tucker before they can be a quality defensive unit. Right. I mean, do we still think Ariza is good? Uh, I mean, he is, you've, I, I, now that I remember it, you've been kind of an Ariza hater for, for a while. And I do think there's, there's something to be said for, all right, let's not coast on these guys' reputations and, and we'll look at it. But I mean, he's, he's not a stopper. You know, I don't think he's that. I think his versatility to be able to guard one through three is good. He's not that strong, you know, against some of, you know, a Kawhi Leonard type. You know, I don't think he does that well against those type of guys who are really, you know, can get their shoulder into him. But you know, I think he's, he's a quality player in that he's not going to just get killed and take advantage of it. He's going to lock that guys down. No, but you're not going to put him out there and be like, oh man, we got to get this guy off of him. Like he's just, he's just killing him. Right. I, I think, I think you would. I would say he's an average defender, um, average to slightly above average at this point. I think you'd say Chris Paul, elite. I don't know if you still would agree with that. I think Harden yeah. and Anderson are bad defenders. I think the guy, the the wild card is Capella. Um, I, I think that's, you know, you have your 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 lead dog at, at the perimeter in, in, in Chris Paul. Can Capella, can you, can you funnel everything into him again this year? Can he take on more responsibility? I think that's, when you're talking about the starting lineup, I think Capella is the guy you're looking at. And going back to your earlier point, I think Bob Mute, I think that gives you so much ability. I think his he's actually you're going to be your backup four. Um, yeah. And so I think being able to take out Ryan Anderson and not need to extend Trevor Ariza, I think that's really going to be worth a couple of slots in and of itself in, a de- in the defensive rating. And so um, that just gives you so many more options. Yeah, I do think you make a good point there that last year Ariza had to guard the best player on the floor and they played him as many minutes as he could handle basically you know as, as if the other team had a, a good threat out there he was your option to guard him and now having other options there it, it could help his offense and it might help him be more effective defensively in the minute th- that he is out there uh so what do you think is the crunch time lineup for this team it's always interesting because and, and even more so with paul like paul and harden are now going to be out there eric gordon you could say maybe is one of their five best players but the fit becomes difficult now if you're going to play him at the three tucker you know i think in certain lineups might be out there you know is 
Is it going to be Ariza? What happens to Anderson? Who's going to be the center? Is it going to be Capella? Is it going to be Nene? Are they going to go with no center at all? Very difficult questions for Antonio to sort out. I felt like Paul, obviously Paul Harden. I, I felt like Gordon is also a lock. I, I think Gordon is probably your third over, overall best player. Um, I mean, it's debatable. Anderson might be more valuable, but Gordon can give you some of that uh, that secondary, or I guess in this case, third level playmaking that Anderson doesn't give you. I feel like Gordon's a lock for the crunch time lineup. Um, and then, as you said, you have any two of Tucker, Ariza, Mbamute, Capella, Nene, Anderson, just depending on matchups. And I think we talked about this earlier. The fascinating thing is going to be going to see uh, is seeing whether or not PJ Tucker can handle minutes at the five to close games. Now he's nowhere near the player that Draymond Green, Draymond Green is in terms of uh, interior uh, basket protection and the length and um, the athleticism. But can he plausibly play the five? Like I, I think that opens up so many options for for Mike D'Antoni to close out games. There's been so many times where also Capella hasn't been effective, and so this gives you a, a completely different route there. So you could see them going completely small. You could see them going to Nene, who still has a lot left in the tank. But I feel like Eric Gordon is is up there as a lock. Yeah, that's an interesting question. I think a lot of it depends who they're playing to. In the regular season, I I agree with you, especially because they they can just say, hey, you know what, like we're just going to outscore people. But you know, with both Harden and Gordon out there, I, I mean, I, I guess now you're if you're you're going to say play either that means you're playing either Ariza or Tucker at the four but then you know with Harden and Gordon those guys can't really guard the best wing threat so now you're making both Harden and Gordon guard larger players it, it's difficult now those guys have some ability to switch because they're at least like built pretty good uh so you're not worried as much about them getting posted up so you know maybe it'll be the three guys on the perimeter and it'll be Tucker and Ariza or maybe they'll if they really need some more defense they can go with Ariza at the three and Bob Mute at the four and Tucker at the five and say, hey, you know, we're going to just, we'll let Paul and Harden do all the scoring and we're just going to make it so difficult to score on you. Uh, but yeah, that, that's going to be a real question. And especially, you know, against Golden State. I mean, what do you think if Golden State goes to their lineup with Green at center, what do you think is the best Rockets lineup to counter that? Right. And before I get to Golden State, just to, to go back, I would assume that if Harden and Gordon are both on the court together, that Harden is guarding the power four, correct? And yeah. so presumably, let's say that you have obviously Paul is on whoever the better uh, backcourt guard is and so you have Paul and Gordon guarding the guards you have Harden on the power forward you have either Ariza or Tucker on the uh, the small forward and then you have your center guarding your center so to me in any non-Golden State scenario I think it perfectly makes sense to have Gordon out there because Harden in that scenario he's guarding the power forward and he's not you know if it's the Spurs he's not gassed now at the other end from guarding Pau Gasol because you have Chris Paul running the offense. So outside of Golden State, I think that's that's what's going to happen. I think you can hide Harden on the power forward. Now, Golden State, I mean, it, it just... I don't know how you play Ryan Anderson against them. I mean, he's yeah, basically no, he's basically unplayable. And so at that point, what happens with Clint Capella? Is he actually, is he going to be able to make a difference on the boards against that smaller lineup? Can he? I don't think so. Um, so who's more, who's more of a uh, a threat at that point, Tucker or Clint Capella at the five. I think that their initial plan is going to be to play Tucker at the five. I think that a 
a lot of the reason why he was acquired. I mean, if you had to look at all of the free agents who weren't stars who were available this offseason, you would have to say that Tucker falls into into the category as a guy you can switch guard close to one through five in a pinch. Uh, it was probably the most Golden State antidote of anyone who was available that wasn't a superstar this offseason. So I think they brought him in. I think they're going to try him at center. And then it's just a question, though, of whether it's going to be Gordon or you're going to go with more defense in that lineup. They'll probably go with offense defense subs to the extent that, that you can, although that is going to be a little minimized with the reduction in timeouts under two minutes this season. Um, all right, we'll be right back here, talk about the strengths and weaknesses of this Rockets team and uh, get our predictions right after this. Back when I was a lawyer, I was responsible at times for trying to get new candidates for positions that we had open. And it was really just an enormous pain. You had to decide where were you going to post these jobs? Were you going to do it on something totally general? We even got some candidates from Craigslist at one point. Are you going to do it on a super specific legal site, which we did? Now, how are you going to correspond with all those people? Are you going to remember the password and go through all of those different apps? How are you going to rank all your candidates together when they're on all these different sites? I really wish that at the time I had known about ZipRecruiter because you can post your job to 100 plus job sites for free with just one click. Then their technology efficiently matches the right people to your job better than anyone else. Because unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you, it finds them. In fact, 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within one day. You have to juggle emails or calls to your office. You can screen, rate, and manage candidates all in one place with ZipRecruiter's easy-use dashboard. ZipRecruiter is the smartest way to hire. Find out today why they've been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. Right now, my listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Capspace. That's a URL. Capspace, easy to remember because we talk about it all the time in the program. ZipRecruiter.com slash Capspace also lets them know that you came from us. ZipRecruiter.com slash Capspace. All right, so we know obviously three-point shooting is an enormous strength of this team. We know about the playmaking with Paul and Harden, but maybe a little more under the radar, what do you see as some of the strengths of this team? I mean, I think, again, also, what were they in pace last year? I, I looked this up earlier. There I go. Um, it. It's third. Third in pace. Yes. Um, you had fourth in assist percentage. I guess that's not uh, surprising. Um, and I think you expect to to improve on that now because I think in any play which is not a result of a hardened pass, I mean, you, you were resulting, you were, the outcome was always a hardened isolation out of those. And so now you have those kickouts to Chris Paul. So I think there's going to be a lot more ball movement there. Um, I think where they can improve, I think while they were first in three-point attempts by far, they're 15th in three-point percent. And so I think that just now having Chris Paul setting up James Harden, I think James Harden's overall percentage is going to improve. Um, And so aside from that, I I don't really see anything. I mean, we know they're going to be tremendous offensively. Um, I think what we have to be looking at is where they can be improving. And I think uh, for the Rockets, I think it's it's really on the glass. I think that's that was really one of the big problems aside from overall the overall defense. 21st in defensive rebounding percentage. And this ties in with my criticism of Clint Capella um, in that they just need better interior play um, to take that next step. 
They're 14th in overall rebound percentage. They, they were pretty decent on the offensive glass, 10th in offensive rebound percentage, but they really need to be able to protect their defensive, uh, the defensive glass. And so I think that's where the Rockets, they, I think they potentially, I think they could take a next step. They have more rugged defenders. Now, I, I don't know that, you know, PJ Tucker and Bob Mute, these aren't guys that are going to help you on the glass, but I think they could do a better job of bodying guys up, even on the perimeter. I think that's certainly going to help more over than having Lou Williams out there. Um, and so I think there's nowhere that they can go but up in those categories. Yeah, I think uh, those are all good points. Uh, I think strengths, you would say versatility now in the lineup. They can go traditional with the Anderson at the four, Capella at the five. They, they can go with Tucker at the five, as we mentioned. I think they have pretty good good depth. Uh, they're going to have some of the best bench units in the league, I would expect, with the ability to have either Paul or Harden on the floor at all times. Scoring without Harden uh, was something they improved on last year, but was still a concern at times in the playoffs and I think that's something that they can get better at uh weaknesses we've mentioned the health we've mentioned the crunch time offense you mentioned the boards and I think you can also look at mentality perhaps as well I mean this is a team that's had at times some pretty spectacular flameouts where with Harden not having the greatest playoff resume in the world Chris Paul though he is his own personal performance has generally been very good in the playoffs he's also had some his teams have had some inexplicable playoff performances so you know are, are these guys really going to be able to focus and not have just kind of you know if they lose have it be because they weren't good enough not because they just kind of melt down in some weird way I usually don't like to focus on these those things but especially with how things ended in game six for Harden you have to at least question that to some degree yeah absolutely and like you said the same goes for Chris Paul a lot of question marks for him um, and I would also add into that I think the overall age of the team we talked about this there there isn't that young bouncy athleticism off the bench I mean historically these I, I, I think back to the 90s Utah Jazz where they would have Howard Isley and Shannon Anderson coming off the bench Brian Russell just to infuse that energy for John Stockton and Carl Malone they don't the Rockets don't really have that outside of Clint Capella and so you almost feel like obviously your, your best player in James Harden he's in the prime of his career um, but Chris Paul now entering his age 32 year we expect him I think to age like Steve Nash, but nobody knows, is this the year that he takes yeah. a bit of a step back? I don't know. He doesn't rely on athleticism, but I mean, father time is undefeated. So you expect at some point, some slippage. But as I said earlier, Eric Gordon and Ryan Anderson, can they, are they going to regress to the mean in terms of their career uh, norms of games played? Nene is getting older. So you don't have that youth on this roster. And so it's a long season. And so sometimes you need those young players for that energy. This Rockets team, they're there is a lot of positives to having a veteran team, the mentality, but you know, sometimes it's helpful to have young guys and they don't have that. I agree with you. And Paul is an interesting one. We didn't talk about him in the regression candidates, but I talked about this Chris Fedor when he came on to talk about the Cavs. Paul is kind of in the same category as LeBron, only a year younger than him at this point, but where he just continues to play nearly as well every single year. But, and you, so it's probably not good money to predict that this will be the year that he finally starts to show some slippage. But if you look at it as like, hey, he's probably got, you know, for the next two or three years, he's got a 25% chance of this being the year that he starts to show some slippage and so that's certainly a probability when we're talking about what they're going to be that needs to be accounted for so all right i'm going to do my prediction first here in terms of the regular season record their over under is what 55 and a half uh, i believe so let me it's, just it's... Con- confirm that here yes 55 and a half I, I picked them for the over i mean they won 55 
25 last year they added chris paul lost guys but nobody who adds up to chris paul so you know i i think i would probably peg them i'm gonna call it 58 wins for this group i said last season i what did i predict was it 51 and 31 yeah and it's either 50 or 51 yeah. here i i'll while you're talking i'll find it yeah so i had them at 51 but i think the the and to quote myself i hate to do that but what i kept saying to myself is that why does this team what leads us to believe that they can't repeat the success that they enjoyed in 2015 when they then they won 56 games and so the same optimism here but in this case i i feel like i have some backing in that you added a future hall of famer and you really didn't lose anything and so i have to go with 60 and 22 um i don't see any reason for them to slip offensively from second i think that 18th ranked defense i think there's potential that they can get into the top 10 and we talked about this last time on our our preview um, when you interviewed me last year the question that i brought up and we had an interesting theoretical discussion there was that you know and i don't remember just throwing out the numbers what i asked you was is it better for the rockets to potentially let's say they're seventh in offense and something like 13th in defense is that combination is that better than second and say 23rd and so we tossed that around a bit it turned out they were second and 18 uh and 18th and that led to that translated to the to 55 wins now of course they weren't disastrous i, I think people thought that they might be disastrous yes, last I, year i was one of those people yeah and i <laughs> and i thought so too i thought there was potential that they would be absolutely disastrous but they were they were bad but they were it was passable at 18th so i think that with the the changes that they made i really think that they can be better defensively i, I think they will be better offensively but of course you know there's not much room for improvement there but i really truly think they can improve on that 18th um rank there and i think I, i'm gonna go with 60 and 22 yeah I, I mean and i definitely totally understand that thinking i mean they're 55 last year totally in line with that in terms of point differential you added chris paul like that definitely makes plenty of sense by the way you were 51 last year so good job that's probably one of the higher rockets predictions so congratulations on getting that one right so i'm guessing your best case scenario if, if you're going with 60 is going to be pretty high for these guys i would have to go with let's say 65 and 17 i think harden and paul mesh from the gate paul takes the pressure off of harden there's no chemistry concerns i mean paul harden trusting paul in a way that he didn't trust ty lawson and i thought i thought ty lawson was the savior and obviously that that didn't work out oh, i think man. for for them to reach 65 games i think you see clip capella take the next step um and really um get into that next level of rim protection and just overall modern age center play i think that's what would have to happen for everything to be clicking on all cylinders yeah i would say 63 for me but similar thinking they could be the number one offense and they could be the number eight or seven defense maybe you know and and maybe because they have chris paul they overperform their point differential by a little bit uh so uh what do you see uh i'll go first on the worst case scenario i mean to me worst case like you know 52 53 like it's i mean and that would be you know obviously we're not talking about a ton of guys missing a lot of time but maybe paul just you know this is the year that he's not quite the same guy maybe james harden last year was the high water mark of his career he he dropped back maybe more to where he was two years ago uh so but i i mean i don't see them getting much below that and that's part of why i felt pretty comfortable with their over under because i see their best case as much higher than their over under than their worst cases lower right i i struggle with this one because you look at the james harden era uh, i mean historically right so his first year they win 45 games he's not a proven superstar 
yet. The next the next year they get Dwight Howard, they win fifty four games. The next year Dwight Howard's out for most of the year, they win fifty six games. The next year it's a complete disaster. They go down to forty one games. The following year, the following year he's the only star on the team, and they come back up to fifty five wins. And so I've kind of said that your baseline level with the James, a happy James Harden, even as the only star, it seems like a happy James Harden translates to fifty five wins. I'm not saying that that's the floor. I think my floor is fifty wins, but it's seems like a happy James Harden means 55 wins for the Rockets. And so you look at this team right now, it's it's ironic because I think if you had added Carmelo Anthony, your ceiling would have been higher, but your floor actually would have been lower than it would be than it is right now with Ryan Anderson because of that chemistry question. I think with this team, I think with Harden and Paul, the way things came together, I think there probably won't be any uh, locker room meltdowns there or any concerns over sharing the ball. But I think when you introduce Mello, specifically with his history with Mike D'Antoni, I think that would have been potential for problems. But I think not having that, I just, barring injury, I just don't see how they go. They finish lower than 50 wins. I agree with you. Let's talk about the postseason now. I don't like to do this for a lot of teams, but because really since the moment they got Chris Paul, it's really been all about their matchups with Golden State and San Antonio. Maybe Oklahoma City is in that category as well. First off, I guess we can say, like, do you expect them to be the number two seed? Is that what you're prediction would be um i it's it's so it's so difficult to write off the spurs i mean every single year it seems that you're thinking that that's the year that they they slip a little bit and then somehow they win 60 games again so you know i i would say possibly yeah let's let's say the second seed i mean i i think it's 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 difficult to see the rockets finishing behind the Spurs just given the rosters yeah and with this Kawhi Leonard injury that right. we haven't heard anything on it as well I, I actually predicted both of them for 58 wins but that was before we knew with the Spurs any issue with Kawhi so I'll probably revise that once we find out where he's at before the season starts and I do think that this team now should have the advantage against the Spurs especially since I think the Spurs got a little bit worse potentially unless Rudy Gay can give them a lot more than we think he can and, and you know a lot of it'll getting that second seed is going to be huge for this group uh uh, I think if they're third, they don't have home court or God forbid fourth and they have to play the Warriors in the first round, that would be a, a right. major issue for them. Uh, but you have to imagine they'll probably be pushing it in terms of wins. But so do you think, uh, where do you see them ending up? I mean, as soon they get that second seed, do you see them getting to the conference finals? And, and you know, and then what kind of chance do you give them against Golden State? Yeah, I mean, before we get to that Golden State question, I just have to see how this plays out during the regular season. It's just so, in my mind, inconceivable to see any be able to challenge Golden State without them suffering a major injury. Just, I mean, I, I don't need to sing their praises. We, we've all seen the way they perfectly click as a unit. And just looking at the, the various hypotheticals of what has to go right for the Rockets in terms of being able to, to even be on par with Golden State. I mean, you're looking at the lineups, that, the question marks of how do you even compete with them? And you're looking at, okay, do you play Clint Capella versus P.J. Tucker? Um, and it all comes back to James Harden and Chris Paul absolutely have to be clicking um, on just firing on all cylinders for all of those games and to even have a chance because you're very much limited in the other spots. And so I look at this Rockets team, it's really unfortunate because, and I felt this way about last year's team as well, in that I think in a non-Golden State world, really in any other era, you would feel good about this Rockets team entering the year as probably a title favorite. I mean, would you agree with that? You have yeah, sure. Two 
two top. T- I mean, they have literally they have everything. I mean, and it shows just how unfair the environment is. In that you have two top ten players, you have just just this perfect mix of gritty role players. I mean, it was it's essentially basically the 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 perfect formula that you saw throughout the early two thousands and nineties for a championship team. And now you're looking at this roster and you're like, how do we compete with Golden State with this lineup of four to five all stars? Yeah, it's pretty remarkable that a 55 win team could avoid giving up like any of maybe their two or three best players uh and then adds chris paul future hall of famer top 10 player in the nba and they're still like not even close to the championship favorite it is remarkable this era that we're living in right now to add on there you know i think i have to decide whether i would think it would be five or six against golden state i mean it's really with the way this golden state team is the depth that they've added and now their guys could drop off a little bit i mean i think that's really you know maybe if steph curry and kevin durant aren't and draymond green aren't quite the players that they were last year you know just due to aging or green losing a little athleticism or whatever you know maybe that's how teams get back to them but you know so as we've talked about here the rockets probably have more age-related regression risk than the warriors do at this point so it's really difficult to say even that you know you're getting there to if golden state's regressed and houston does it so i think i will tentatively pick them to make it to the conference finals uh i still really like this okc team the spurs are, are always a threat we'll see what happens with the Kawhi and and maybe some trades can happen that would change this around a little bit uh so i'm not like super confident in projecting them to get to the conference finals but i think you would have to be the favorites at this point i think you know a five or six game defeat would probably be what i'd predict it against Golden state yeah i i think they'll make the conference finals i think whatever the issues were last season for harden i think chris paul will help him overcome that i think they will get to the conference finals and i think they uh, unfortunately i think they they just don't have enough to go head to head with the warriors i think they would lose in five games all right well that'll do it here let everyone know uh, where they can follow your work and uh, we'll get you out of here thanks nate you can get you guys can follow me at red94.net so that's red spelled out and then the number 94.net and on twitter at red94 and that's all spelled out as well all right thanks again uh a one of the few three-time preview guests it's always great to have you on we'll look forward to following your work throughout the season and don't forget about our sponsors today draft use that cap space code to enter your first game free and also zip recruiter ziprecruiter.com slash cap space will allow you to post your jobs for free and those codes are important because they let them know that you came from us thanks again for your support we'll be back tomorrow finishing out these team previews till then thanks again to draft for sponsoring today's program it's not too late to join the highest rated fantasy basketball app draft download the app anytime to search draft in your app store and join a game in minutes or right from your computer on draft.com for limited time all new players get a free entry into a draft when you make your first deposit using my promo code capspace playing a real money game for free in a snake draft not a salary cap much easier for casual players to get involved with that just make sure you use that promo code capspace on your first deposit at bet365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every basket every game every point every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.